Y'all know what time it is. It is 6 o'clock Eastern on a Sunday evening. It is the best time of the week. We are back. Aquarian Anarchy. We got Jose Alberto Nino in the house. We're coming right back at you. Stay tuned. Our quote for tonight is from Ludwig von Mises. Every socialist is a disguised dictator. I mean, I don't know how to argue with that. I don't even want to see if anybody can come up with an argument against that. Let me get this damn thing out the way. There we go. All right, we're back. Welcome, everybody, to Aquarian Anarchy. I am Chad. You see Marcus and Nico down below. And with us, we have tonight a very special guest, a friend of mine I've known for about three years now, Jose. And uh, met him through Hotep Nation and then, uh, you know, also like running in like Mises circles and everything. Um, Jose, it's a pleasure to have you on. How you been, man? No, I've been great. Thank you so much for having me on, Chad. And it's great to meet you guys, Marcus and Nico. Yes, sir. Yeah, Glad so, to meet you, man. So, so let's, let's just get right into the hot topics. Because you wrote, you wrote a couple of books. You wrote this one, How Socialism Destroyed Venezuela. And uh, but you also wrote this one, which is really because we're we're starting to see something like this go on in another area of the world right now, where there's some intervention and, and uh, some meddling and all this other stuff. We're not going to get into that because we'd like to keep our channel. Um, we might dig into it a little later with, with some code language. But this one right here, the ten myths of gun control. Um, this one, we we're on rinse and repeat, right? We just had another uh, another little episode this this past week where um, the, the, the war drums have been banging again on what the solution to either, whether it's crazy people doing crazy people stuff or maybe some people being activated to do some stuff for the, for the, the powers yeah. that be. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Shady <laughs> stuff going on. But it always seems to, you'll hear about, I don't know, five or six of these myths thrown out there the one about uh mental illness being one of them um those you know safe zones and you know all the different gun control measures and everything what what do you start to see when when something like this starts to happen what are the what are the kind of the patterns that you start to recognize with how this is reported and how people start to respond to it yeah there's always a similar kind of shtick that goes down after all these shootings where demagogue politicians tried to exploit them and just call for all manner of gun control, whether it's bans on guns, tightened background checks, red flag gun confiscation orders. And now you're hearing people talk about like censoring like the internet and also creating these like domestic terror agencies to monitor so-called acts of domestic terror. And this is the typical pattern that you see whenever there is a moment of crisis or perceived crisis where the the political establishment uses crisis to justify more power grabs on people's liberties. And mm -hmm. uh, that's like this is like the that's the nature of the beast, whether you have a mass shooting or a broader like terrorist attack that kills like hundreds, if not thousands of people. This is the way the state operates. And what we saw like in Buffalo, 
is like really no exception. Though it is kind of curious in this case, they not only they've killed <clears throat> multiple birds one stone by not only going after like the um, typical like gun rights and also um, like the domestic terror canard, but also they're um, they're going after your everyday like Trump supporter by talking about like the great replacement and that they're really just going after people who are advocating for immigration restriction by connecting this guy who apparently was posting stuff about the great replacement. And yeah, there's a lot of questions to be asked because you, you mentioned one point about how this guy could have been potentially radicalized because when you know on the internet, you do see a lot of cases in these forums where they are like infiltrated and they sometimes have like like legitimate like federal agents there that are trying to radicalize people and lead them on to do crazy stuff. So there's like a lot of questions that have to be asked, but the media won't let us ask that. But the natural instinct for the media is to just find some way to justify a power grab that infringes on our civil liberties. Yeah. And, and isn't it, is it so like entrapment is a thing, right? Like, and, and you have different things with raids and, and setting aside whether there should be a war on drugs in the first place, but in the war on drugs, there are a few approaches that are taken with that, right? Where you have, mm -hmm. you have, um, you know, intel gathering and things like that, where you, you just monitor different activities or you see uh, people, uh oh, Nico bounced. Um, he'll be back. Yeah, he'll be back. But, uh, but what, what, what can happen from time to time is there can be something set up where someone actually poses as a dealer or as a purchaser and set something and, and they have to be really, really careful because if entrapment is used where they're actually, they're actually initiating a crime and then inviting someone into where they feel like they're kind of like in a rock and a hard place, it gets difficult. This is a whole different ball game when you're talking about people going online and like coaxing people and, and, you know, they talked about Trump <laughs> and January 6th and inciting something. Yeah, people, federal agents actually go in on, like you said, on these some of these forums, yeah, and and ginning people up to actually go out and harm people, and For then sure. using that as a way yep. to further okay. infringe on 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 liberty. But but let's start just at the very beginning. the The infringement on liberty is a huge, you know, is the 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 rest of the iceberg, so to speak. Whereas this other, but the, but that tip of that iceberg is a pretty big horrible deal when you think about the fact that you might have someone actually going and telling one someone go to the mall and murder a bunch of people right <laughs> and 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 if they do it well nope sorry it was on them well but but you you're, yeah, act you're actively trying to get them to do that the same right. kind of shit that they're trying to to tar and feather uh trump and anybody else for on uh but then Lori lightfoot can go say uh we're going to take up arms about the roe v wade thing Right. Yeah. yeah. Any, anymore, it's not a question, in my opinion, of how, you know whether the FBI is involved in in any particular domestic shooting or domestic terrorist activity. It's how many FBI agents are involved. It, 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 there is almost mm -hmm. always somebody. Mm -hmm. Would you agree with that, Jose? Yeah, I've um I haven't really looked into the specifics about this case, but there is a warranted degree of like cynicism about the nature of like federal law enforcement and their involvement in all these cases because they often 
advance very convenient agendas as well because you have to look at like qui bono after these incidents and mm -hmm. um it's like a self-licking ice cream cone for a lot of these people and um yeah i i do think that we um that, that there's a really good point that chad mentioned as well that there is um a really interesting friend enemy distinction and how like the state operates where <clears throat> a notable figure like ostensibly like on the left or even like the approved right could make some so-called like inflammatory remarks that would be considered like so-called incitement uh, i have a problem with that term to begin with but then they right. just go free but then like trump just says peacefully protest at this event that gets infiltrated and then go, <laughs> go crazy and then all of a sudden you have wall-to-wall -wall coverage of January 6th being some like coup worse attacks since 9-11 or like Pearl Harbor. But but it, it shows that, um, that like the like the managerial left, the cultural left, like they, they they're the ones who kind of call the shots and they ultimately are the ones who like dictate a lot of the course of like the debate. And if you're on that side, you can almost get away with like crazy stuff that would you arrested in most states. But if you're like on the right and you kind of push the envelope a bit, um you are kind of screwed. And that's why also for a lot of people that are involved in a lot of this online culture and these groups, they have to always be on their toes because their groups could potentially get infiltrated and make mm -hmm. sure to vet people and that they're like legit because you don't want to be caught up in some of these cases where you could have tons of people get arrested as we've seen with January 6th, which has like over 500 people or so that have been arrested in a several hundred like uh languishing in horrible prison standards so yeah this stuff it's getting pretty serious these days and the stakes are getting higher and um i do agree with like marcus that um some of this stuff now i would venture to say is involving like multiple like agents because um th these type of operations to nab a bunch of people like say like for like january 6 it requires like a lot yeah 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 for sure and there's and video there's video evidence of like got somebody say we need to go in there we, you know it's like like bro mm -hmm. like how 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 obvious does it have to be and then we the, you know the gretchen whitmer thing same thing mm -hmm. where they had yeah they, they it was like almost all it's like whole damn thing was right. literally like they got oh, a couple like, morons walking like, around going, hey, you too oh shit you too like yeah they're, they're like finding out they're like arresting each other and shit like, hang yeah. on, I'm undercover. Like, wait till I'm on. Like, <laughs> like that Spider-Man beam. Right, right. Exactly. I do have to do a little bit of pushback, though, because um, as much as I, I do think that it is worse, and, and, and I, I'm not one of these people that say that, that you know, Trump is awful as, as, you know, Biden is. That is obviously not true. <laughs> you know, Trump was obviously not as bad as Biden. But, you know, I don't know how anybody can say that. But Trump did say he could shoot somebody in the face in, what was it, Times Square and yeah. get away with it. Yeah. He said that. And the media right. let him say that. And he did get away with it. So I do have to give a little bit of pushback where I think the 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 divide really is isn't left or right it's totalitarianism mm -hmm. versus libertarianism and um when 
the agenda moves towards totalitarianism of whatever flavor it is, it, and um, which means pulling away guns. Because I, I hate to tell some of these MAGA wearing, you know, lunatics that think that he was going <laughs> to save their life that he was going to so take you mean the guns. guy who said the guy who said we should take the guns first and do due process later that guy right, right. Uh, so yeah. i i do think that that there is a, a there there is a difference but the the problem that i do think that they set up with these kinds of differences is that they say okay you can take away some bump stocks or you can take away an ar15 which is your choice Mm-hmm. that's the that's what they're offering yeah yeah and we talked about that in in brooklyn back in uh, you know early 2019 where that that was when the bump stock ban had just come out and we were talking about how like it's you know you had people even on the right who were like yeah but you don't need a bump stock a bump stock stupid it's like it doesn't matter like the point is the principle of setting the precedent of now you can now you can start making it to where like we we talked about like you know depending on who's who's firing the gun their trigger finger could be, you know, a modification of, of some sort because they're they're better and faster than anybody else, you know? One thing to add as well that was particularly bad about the bump stock ban is that it was also done in like a bureaucratic manner. And mm-hmm. one of my big themes um, in terms of like my overall political project is um, to dismantle the administrative state and the unaccountable bureaucracy because... With a bad gun control law, at least in theory, you could connect the passage of that bad legislation to the politicians that voted for it and vote them out mm-hmm. and at least make their lives miserable or at least make their lives miserable and put pressure on them. But when you ban a bump stock through like ATF, like fiat, um, good luck trying to fire like the thousand or so agents there or let alone um, – abolish that agency so easily and when you have like that like really that kind of power concentrated in agency like that it just it's just only going to create worse precedents and um really concentrate more power in dc as opposed to politicians that ostensibly represent you and that's one thing i did take trump to task for um and i told like a lot of people on the right this is not a good compromise to be making whatsoever and you're doing it like in like the worst fashion too by giving um the the so-called deep state that you guys harp on about like more power basically mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. well so so what what do you think to 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 dig into that because a lot of what we try to do here is like to find at least pathways to solutions if not solutions themselves is is there is there hope is there a way to actually um to, to undo because a lot of these the people you're talking about this bureaucratic state the deep state that is behind the scenes and all this stuff staffs that that are you know i don't know 25 to 250 to one per voted in representative um maybe even more than that in some cases they have stats even bigger than that but you have this massive bloated bureaucracy that it's those people are entrenched they they're there forever yeah they're almost impossible to get rid of. Is there even hope to, to deal with that or just kind of stuck with this and uh, hooked up and build <laughs> independent of that and, and try to render it obsolete as much as you can? Or what, what would be the, the approach if there is one? 
Well, I write about this a lot, and I think there is a way out of this. And we have seen a model that has been quite successful, for example, at the state and local level. And I'll go with like state first with constitutional carry for perspective. In 2009, when Barack Obama just came into office, there were only two constitutional carry states, Alaska and Vermont. Now we have 25 states and potentially more in as of 2022. And a lot of the gun rights crowd has picked up over the years that where they're going to have like the most impact is at their state legislatures and to try to look for more decentralized alternatives. Now we're also beginning to see the emergence of these sanctuary counties and other types of cities when it comes to Second Amendment sanctuaries where a lot of <clears throat> municipalities and other local bodies are just beginning to ignore state level and even federal level gun control and i i believe that's probably like the future of where this is going to lie where certain states and counties just start ignoring federal gun control regulations to me uh, uh decentralization of that nature is the way out because i've been involved in a lot of federal politics and all that and it's insanely expensive there's tons of inertia and the people that are your champions initially will probably end up selling you out like very few exceptions are there like say like thomas massey but, like for every thomas massey you get like just some gen uh 10 generic republicans that go along to get along and or more 50 yeah. or 50 of them <laughs> yeah yeah a lot um and to me the solution um lies mostly like uh state level and like local level politics and i do think that people probably need to look at the successes of the constitutional carry movement and apply that to like the budding nullification movement so that people just start ignoring the federal government because i will say this that um as like the atf um and these bureaucratic agencies start um consolidating more power and because of like the polarization in congress where it's becoming harder for the parties like to pass like official laws and then they just go to the bureaucracy instead that's going to create more of a legitimacy crisis among a lot of the population and a lot of people will um be more apt to to rebel through like nullification and other like state level measures because i i do believe that this is not just um exclusive to second amendment stuff but you see this also with like abortion and a host of other issues where uh polarization is forcing people to kind of go like more local um, and like state level of their politics. And that's kind of where the future is going for the U.S. in my view. I would, I would agree that, that, um, that localization is certainly one of the, the best, um, methods I've heard of, um, both Chad and I worked for Adam Kokesh and that was the, uh, the keystone of his, of his run for president. And, um, so of course I agree with that where I, where I would worry is, um, I have seen like with, um, the, the, uh, the disease that shall not be named. We, um, what happened with that? People will say, well, your, your governor shut that down. I watched this. I watched it happen. What they did was they brought all of the governors. I live in Indiana. They brought all of the, the governors in, in, at least in my region, they brought all of them into a room, uh, and had a federal meeting. We, I watched, I, I knew that it was happening. And then they came out and locked all the States down. 
Um, and then said, and then when there was no reason to lock people down and it was proven that that was negative, not only to the economy, but to mental health and 10,000 other reasons, you hear people say, oh no, that what that wasn't Trump. That was, that was, uh, the governor or whatever. No, they were just following orders. So what do you think stops, um, that from happening though? I, I like where you're going with that. I, I, I think our solution is, to all of this shit is to just make the government irrelevant. And, you know, when they tell you to do something, laugh at them and keep doing what the fuck they're going to do. But, but what, how do we solve the issue of, of power that the federal government does through money on the States in that, in that situation? Yeah, I think, um, there, there is, um, <clears throat> people will have to kind of rewire their thinking of not just viewing only as like state versus federal government. There's going to be cases where you'll see county versus state government and sometimes sure. county versus federal government. And then we're in that right now versus county. Yeah. So like, um, I tell people a lot of times that, um, if they can't be successful in like their federal government, uh, like federal activism or whatever, they should probably go to state activism and, or, um, if they can't do that, uh, try county. And I, uh, from my experience doing a lot of Second Amendment lobbying, a lot of like the strategies I've picked up on help a lot, whether you're doing work in the city council, county commission, state government, or even federal government. But I've become more averse to for to the federal government. But yeah, people um, ultimately for bringing about decentralization, um, it will require people to be much more involved in their local affairs and pay attention to what's going on because one one thing about um yeah the whole so like uh pandemic was uh it did force people to recognize that a lot of like really bad policies are set at like the local level and in fact a lot of the really crappy politicians that you see at a state legislature or federal office generally get started um as bad politicians in the local level and you can stop them there or they're um or their networks are very much entrenched at the local level. And mm -hmm. I think that's where most people from like any type of like dissident movement, whether it's like a libertarian, paleoconservative, right-wing populist, is going to have probably the easiest chance to have an impact that's probably locally because of the fact of not just proximity, but also barriers to entry and all that. Because uh, like, just for example, like in a congressional race, like at the federal level, you're probably going to be having to spend like easily seven or even eight figures, depending on the type of like district and media market you're in. And that prices out like a lot of people and you're going to have to get like either be rich or be beholden to really nasty special interest groups and all that. So um, yeah, people will have to get creative because um, there's some state governments that are just awful. Like that's just um, straight up. So you'll have to go down to like a lower level and it kind of creates a form of um, like the goal is kind of creating uh, certain types of like freedom sanctuaries and carving out these areas where people of like minded people can operate in and start um, taking back territory that the, the like that the managerial state has taken from us effectively and just go from there. But um, yeah, like uh, I, I kind of stress that uh, that people have to like think beyond like electoral cycles, but and think more in terms of identifying particular issues that are very relevant in your community and finding like-minded individuals and build organizations that are not only like 
um, that are built to last more than just like for more than multiple cycles, but be like multi-generational in nature and mm -hmm. pass it on to like other leaders and stuff like that. Because um, the typical voting game, like that's been played out. We've already seen it. It has not worked well. And people have to like, kind of like think beyond that. And I think there's a lot of opportunities with like the successes of several like second amendment movement stuff. And also now with, um, a lot of people starting to exit the government schooling system. There's opportunities there, but it's just a matter of people channeling their energy and more productive ventures. For so sure. what do you impose that communities do um, and like including your community to initially start building and being a better community? Yes, it's like, you can be a part of it, like, hey, try and get your neighbors. But like, what could you do specifically to like start that fire? Um, I'd say like <clears throat> you probably want to do like intel of like read like local newspapers or even like attend like a lot of these city council meetings to understand what are like the big issues in the area you're in, so that you're not like politically tone deaf because you don't want to bring like your pet issue that's like not really relevant and it's probably easier to uh, be like much more active in whether it's like a party meeting or even like a basic like organization of civil society of uh, like Lions Club or whatever church uh, to figure out what people are talking about there and see if you can find like-minded individuals. Um, you go to like even like basic party meetings from like Democrats to Republicans to see um, if you can all align on s single issues, my, my thing is single issue lobbying. That's been what I, how I got into like a lot of like political operations and I tend to focus more on issues more so than typical, like partisan activity or like the cult of personalities of candidates. So it, it does require you to probably be more active, like at meetup groups and just meeting other people finding out who are like power brokers in your area and going from there and it's also just much easier um in my opinion why going back to the single issues to find like an issue to organize people because when you have like a multi-issue organization it's going to obviously create a lot of tension because everybody won't be on the same page whereas a single issue type of coalition is just much easier to organize um in my view Sure. And, and I think you you have an advantage with uh, with gun issues because I think ultimately Americans tend to be more in favor of of some kind of freedom as it involves firearms than most countries. I think that we, we have that advantage in this in this country in that regard. But that isn't always true of every issue. And what um to, to kind of try to move a little bit away from the, the gun issue. Not that I don't, I don't care to come back to it, but what other than two A issues, what other uh, issues are kind of core to your heart? What matters to you? Um, For me, uh, I'm big on largely like education, freedom of just trying to downsize like government schooling and also, uh, going back to a much more restrained non-interventionist foreign policy and monetary issues as well of just like ending the fed. Yeah. Yeah. So, so in the wars in the fed start there and we'll go from there. <laughs> yeah.
Yeah, but also I think that that education thing is Mm -hmm. is like I I don't know that there's anything more important to be honest because like that's where like the you know the whole like zeitgeist is formed. It's there. Yeah, big time. For sure, that generation project too. Yeah, Uh, no, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and 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 what it does, what what education does is it 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 because I, I'm, I'm an anarchist. I don't believe that any of this voting crap is ever going to work, but not that I think that it's, it's completely pointless. I think if you, like you mm-hmm. said, you can build coalitions, you can get involved in your politics and make, and, and Thomas Massey has certainly made some, some inroads, but turning over this leaf to a really free country, that's not going to happen at the ballot box, but, um, but by educating people and getting people aware of what the, what the fuck is going on, um, mm-hmm. that, that has a, 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 outside of, you know, voting and all of that crap that, that gets that mindset moving towards, um, something else better. So I, I agree with you that, that education, uh, because like Rothbard said, if, if people would, um, realize what the government is, we would, you know, that, that's all we need to turn, you know, get people to turn around because if they realize what it is, then they'll be like, oh, hell, I don't want anything to do with that. So, mm-hmm. yeah, so, but, and it's, and it's also, um, it's also the way that you like some of this stuff with these entrenched bureaucracies and all this other stuff, all this backroom dealing and everything, the more and more you cultivate people who are those like mindsets who, yeah, who are not going to be that type of maniacal authoritarian, then you, you increase your odds of, as long as those things exist them being more populated with people who aren't going to be, you know, take all these little, you know, underhanded deals and everything. Right. Mm-hmm. And because, because what we, even in the, the political realm, if you can educate people to get them, I'm, I'm not talking about get them to be in, you know, a Rothbard reading or a Mises reading or a, a Emma Goldman reading anarchist. I'm not talking about those people just to stop the army of, of D to D finger looking, you know, sheeple that show up to the ballot box, Biden jawed him because he's not Trump. You know, if we could fight back a little bit um, by getting more people educated, even on that front, we wind up better. Yeah, I um, I would add one thing as well for the type of like elections like that would strategically focus on would be like local like school board stuff because um even for people that are just getting into this um having somebody on the inside there that just sees like the crazy stuff that's going on is really good to like create like subversion from like within these institutions and then like, expose, like the kind of stuff that people are being taught um because there is like a benefit to having like an inside outside game where you can like show the public like this is where like all this whole vast pit of taxpayer money is going to and how like your kids are being indoctrinated and um a lot of like uh, i tell people like they they should probably focus more on low profile types of elections and know what it really talks about as opposed to like um sock puppet politician a or b that's being uh that's running for office like in like a typical like u.s house or u.s senate race because a lot of these like local school board elections that's where people can get not only like political experience but also see what like is actually going on which is horrific this stuff is not just um like public education a lot of people treat it like it's um 
like furniture in the background it's really one of like the biggest it's like the biggest conveyor belt of like indoctrination that you will see that you know a lot of status automatons that become loyal servants of this regime unfortunately and mm -hmm. uh, yeah i actually do agree that if there is like one issue that i would very likely like put a lot of my efforts towards um in terms of affecting some type of change it'd be the education because if you solve that issue to break the back of that um education industrial complex um it's so it, every other issue that you have to confront becomes much easier to solve well and like what you said about having having someone on the school board or in mm -hmm. in one of these spots like it does it, it serves because we're, we're dealing with that we're, we're and I'm, I'm getting to see that firsthand um, we've got an issue in Louisiana where they just tried and they're still, they still haven't given up. Um, they're pretending to give up, but they, the Louisiana department of health, they dropped this bomb on us. I talked about this last week, um, where K through 12, they're going to put the, the shot on the schedule for K through 12. And it's going to make it just like all the other stuff that is preventable by these shots. Um, even though clearly it's not, <laughs> Oh, um, but so, anyway, they like it, they're what's that? I'll let you finish the question. Okay. The question All right. So so they they're gonna make it to where like if if they have two cases over a two week period of time, everybody who doesn't have their shots, who isn't up to date, including boosters and whatever else, has to be sent home indefinitely and cannot participate in any extracurricular activities until they have overcome the outbreak. An outbreak is two cases because that's how it is for like measles and chicken pox and whatever, all this other shit. Um, so anyway, so two cases of this thing that, and then they're paying people, they're paying kids $10 every week to go get tested just to be safe. Um, if you want to do it, they'll, they'll, they'll give you $10 for, for getting tested and they're paying the teachers too. So like a kindergartner and a janitor could get it and, my kids have to go home even though they're like a junior and an eighth grader <laughs> next year, you know, like it it's, and, and they can't play basketball. They can't play sports. They can't do any uh, clubs or any of that stuff outside of school either until it goes away and they have zero cases. So what they did, it was ready to go. The house uh, voted on a bill that would make that impossible. And then the Senate was getting ready to vote on it. And so the governor just pulled it. So now it's not there, so you can't vote on it. And the session ends June 6th. So what the suspicion is, is that as soon as the session ends, it can't be voted on anymore. They're going to drop the hammer again whenever it's going to be. There's going to be a little case surge or some nonsense like that. And they're going to come down and drop the hammer again. The only way we found out about a lot of this stuff is because we actually have people on the inside. who are like, buy hey, by the way. huh? Yeah, what I'm saying. But, the, but at least we have people in there who are like, hey, listen. This is what they're trying to do. You know, this is what you need to do. Call this person, this person, this person, email these people and everything. And even then you're still at the whim of that stuff because the for so long we haven't been doing the legwork. And and it's it's never too late to start, but um it, it is a little late. It may not be too late, but it's late and it's gonna take yeah. a lot of heavy lifting to undo some of this stuff because they're so well entrenched and we're not. Uh, I mean, my question was uh, only relevant pertaining to the school um, and the little jibby jabs. I, mm -hmm. Is there 
not necessarily a code regulation to okaying these to being promoted in the schools, like how we'd have to have like the hepatitis or HPV shot, which was kind of ass backwards. I understand like high school kids could be like sexually active, but like HPV, like, do you really need that kind of shot? Like, sure, if you're controlling the population. Oh, yeah. Very true, very true. But like, does it not? It's only been, I mean, a, a credible um, shot for what? Two years? Not even a year and a no, half. No, a year, a year and a half. A it, I mean, if you half. want to call it credible, I don't know. But yeah, I mean, it, we know it's not. But like, yeah. But but the thing is, it doesn't matter if they say if they say it goes on there, and then they have their little every time they put their thing out, they tell you about how many kids have gotten it and how many kids have been in the hospital and all this other stuff. It's like, yeah, and and of that hand of that handful of kids. Um, how many of those kids like in the kind of shape my kids are in playing sports right. and, and doing all that? True. And how many Absolutely of them were true. like, how many yeah, of them many were sit down potatoes? and play Minecraft all day? Yeah. So yeah, I don't it. know. It's just, uh, and, and, and even then, it's still what's funny about it is here's what's going to happen. You're going to have some kid who got his shots get paid to go get tested he's gonna pop positive and my kid who doesn't have shots and is completely healthy is gonna get sent home but so, anyway, so so let me let me turn that into a question for you jose like what do you is is that kind of what you were talking about with like having people on these things that at the very least you get some sort of a heads up of, as to what what these what shenanigans these people are trying yes <clears throat> And I'd even go further that um, people that are averse to, say, like, electoral politics, whether it's, like, state level or, like, local level, um, there's a case to be made that um, if you're pursuing a career in education and you end up, like, being a bureaucrat, your labor is still, like, valuable because if you could still see what's going on on the inside and you could potentially even throw wrenches on the inside as well. And there's a lot of ways you could, like, skin this cat. And also I would add um that a lot of like local investigative journalism that people can do as like a hobby um can go a long way in terms of doing stuff because um there is a dearth of a lot of in my time um doing politics i've seen a lot, like a dearth of a lot of like local activism because mm. of the just general obsession with federal politics um which is yeah. really a product of like the really how centralized like the u.s federal government has become that's made that where there's more pressure points that we can put on the political establishment locally and all that kind of create our own little uh, local power bases. But there, um, there is a lot of value. Um, a case could be made that actually um, a person that's um, able to get a position on like a local school board could be um, in a stronger position to affect political change than say a like Republican in Congress that's good on education policy because the latter guy is just going to be like one out of like 435 reps that are mm -hmm. going to be overwhelmingly statist and not have much power. Whereas the person at the local education board could potentially call, um, if they find a bunch of a controversial information, could build a story that's not only like a, a local story that would get a lot of attention but also potentially a national and change a conversation there um there's a lot of value and with a lot of the critical race theory stuff it's um you've seen that play out where a lot of these activists that are um not only getting involved like school boards but they're also able to talk to 
a lot of teachers and other employees and concerned parents about like what's being taught in these schools. Um, that's why um, like the least sexy political type of positions and opportunities tend to actually be like the higher yield. Whereas the stuff that everybody's talking about on the media from like your US like house member to like the Senate, that kind of stuff um, generally doesn't have like much of an impact in like the rare chance that you get like somebody that's like good elected because they're just going to be surrounded in like a sea of statism. Sure. And I've thought about doing something like that myself. I've, I've thought about, you know, because I think about a lot of shit, but I thought about running as a, as either a Democrat or a Republican, because I'm not running to lose. So I'm not going to run as a Green Party or a, or a Libertarian because I'd kind of like to win if I'm going to spend money to do it. So I thought, I thought that I would run as a, like in the GOP or in the, as a Democrat, but run as an anarchist for my for my local uh, town council and my, like my, uh, what I thought about was that my, my uh, logo or whatever would say Indianapolis and DC can suck my balls and have the A and balls be an anarchy symbol. And, <laughs> and I mean, imagine people with that. You said sign you want to win, yard. right? Right. Well, I want a chance to win, and and you can, but because you know they're never going to let the any of these third parties win. So a, a chance to win, and you can say that that you know you you won't win. You know, even if you run as a Republican or a Democrat. Well, for one, we're talking about our local community, and people will find it funny to vote for the guy that said Indianapolis and DC can suck my balls. And number two, there is the case of Aria DiMezzo in New Hampshire, who ran as a transsexual Satanist anarchist and won for sheriff. So, <laughs> so, so it is possible to do that kind You're of saying thing. Saying there's a chance. I'm saying there's a chance. Yeah. Um, even in a lot of local elections, depending on like the state or. Um, municipality you're in some of them are like nonpartisan, so it becomes more issue focused and candidate focus it's no longer about like the labels but yeah it, it there there is there is like an off chance um it, it does like require oh it's a skill in of itself like running a campaign um and all, all that that stuff it can be pretty tedious but um if you're if you do like the homework and you're in an area where you have been able to like identify like an issue that people rally around um you could go uh, a long way sure and, and 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 i have those skills you know what i'm saying i i'm probably not going to do that but but it, to encourage other people because i'd be an asshole <laughs> i'd be out there doing all kinds of nonsense but <laughs> indianapolis and washington dc come suck the balls of this asshole right exactly <laughs> pause <laughs> right for sure <laughs> lots of pause <laughs> but but in reality i i do think that you're on to something and i think that that is a way to at least get some kind of influence even if you're an anarchist even if you're me and you're just making fun of them you know look at the traction in the libertarian party that vermin supreme got just to make fun of folks mm -hmm. and so i i think that I, I think that you're right that you could um enact some changes. The The issue that we're going to have is not everybody has my kind of experience. Like I said, I, I, I was the press secretary for one of the, the people running for president for the Libertarian Party. So I have experience knowing what that is. I have a media list right now for Indianapolis or for Indiana. I, I could 
I have all of the media. I know everybody that I would need to talk to, but not everybody has those kinds of um, uh, of resources. How do they get them? What's your what's your advice? Um, yeah, you're. This is kind of like the importance of having groups of people that you're able to identify um, that show kind of like skills or like the potential for skills. Because yeah, if you go like the lone wolf route and don't really try to pass on your skills um th that stuff will die like with you and there's a lot of organizations um in my experience that uh were able to do a lot of good stuff like in the short term and even like medium term but um once like their core leaders like moved on or like retired or whatever uh, they just die out and you have to like you have to like, be thinking like kind of like two to three steps ahead where once you've acquired like um, certain skills and you, you're like a proven commodity at your field, you want to find like a successor or at least like somebody that is like, uh, like that you can partner with to continue passing that on. Mm -hmm. Because um, you have to think uh, multi-generationally. That's how honestly a lot of these like status establishment, like globalist yeah. organizations work, these roundtable groups. Like they, um, they not only have like a leadership cadre, but they – have like constant like recruitment programs that have like create like pipelines for people. It's like right. a total like assembly line of like status where like the Rockefeller Foundation can always like right now could count on like in 2050 having a whole like set of like new recruits and all that um, that'll assume like leadership and dictate public policy. In many regards, um, it may it may benefit a lot of libertarians or any people uh, like di uh, political dissidents to study. A lot of these foundations and see what they um do find out what works and what doesn't and kind of apply it to to your organization because um there are some proven models of building political organizations that are kind of like that work regardless of like the ideology of that organization and you just have to identify best practices and cut out like bad practices hmm. cool yeah no, that's, and, uh, that's fascinating actually like that Sure. The, um, I don't think there's a lot of people who are like so many people because it's so easy in the, the media cycle to get caught up in the, well, we got to go fight critical race theory. We got to go fight this. And like the generational folks that you're talking about, they're already laying the groundwork for the next 10 issues that we don't even yeah. haven't even heard about yeah. yet. And, and if we're not thinking like that, if you're not thinking the way that the enemy thinks, I'm not saying you have to act like they act yeah. mm -hmm. and have the morals that they have. But you can look at their blueprint for how they get their shit sure. done and learn from it. Yeah, Rothbard did that as well. He um he he suggested that we that libertarians look at what the socialists did, um, because they've been very successful mm -hmm. at uh, taking over both of the political parties in this country. You can say whatever you want about the the the, the Republicans and conservatives; they're just socialism light. It's it's basically, do you want Stalin or Lenin? And you know, in that choice, Lenin is certainly better than Stalin, but but it's Lenin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the conservative movement, um, I've been involved in a lot of that stuff, and I've written at length about um, is how screwed up it is. But they do have um, some successful models when it comes to how institutionalized it is, and certain organizations can actually learn from it because um, they're successful for a reason. They have like pretty vast networks. They have uh, really big donors and all of that, but... Um, yeah, you do. Um, it it does like behoove um, our movements to look at 
a lot of the uh, successful like insurgent movements as well, like say like the squad, really like the progressive movement mm. in the mm -hmm. Democratic Party as well. Like a lot of these other sure. movements that were generally on the fringes, like in the 90s or whatever, but now are becoming more mainstream. Those are case studies to look at. You you want to look at as many on the um, across the political spectrum to see um, if you could recognize patterns. Because once you recognize patterns, then you can try to replicate it to like the context that you want to. But um, I think the big thing about um, trying to fill in the um, knowledge gap, uh, Marcus, that you were talking about with people is you're going to have to find other people that are not only on like the same wavelength, but they have to demonstrate some like aptitude, like they're like ready to put in the work, um, right. put in the hours and then just train them up on that. Cause you don't want, um, like for me, um, I have like my own newsletter, which I try to share with people and, and promote because I don't want this like knowledge to only just be confined to like myself. Like it should be, I want it to go out to as many people as possible so that they can set up their own organizations and institutionalize that. And then, pass on their information to like future leaders for sure sign see we, his, we got that yeah sign up for his his newsletter it's in our uh in the description so uh, sure but yeah. we got that man we got this coalition called aquarian anarchy but popping <laughs> off right in this motherfucker right now we're gonna we're gonna bring <laughs> folks here and like yourself and we're gonna say okay if Jose wants to run for some shit, he's one of our people. We're definitely going to do some stuff right, for him. Right. And we're going to uh, provide that because um, I think that supporting people like yourself um, and frankly, anybody that is, that is challenging the status, the status agenda agenda. And, and I'm not talking about one of the things that libertarians get caught up in is, you know, if you're not hundred percent where I'm at, then fuck it. I'm like, if you're 51% on my side, you're on my side, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So we need to come together. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Purity spiraling um, can't definitely uh, derail movements like much more than even like external enemies and all that. But yeah, um, that's why like, I, um, I don't, I tend to focus on like several like key issues. And if there's like disagreements, I just keep it moving. And then mm -hmm. like, if we agree, we um, just focus on that. That that's why I tend to be more like single issue, but yeah um that is like a challenge when you're um getting into like broader political movements but um one thing i have told um i have like mentioned though is that if you're able to build um sing successful single issue networks you can effectively synergize long term if you guys if uh, people hit the right buttons and then you could build even broader coalitions but you have to kind of like start out like simple and then like build mm -hmm. up um mm -hmm. and I'm not trying to and, do everything at once yeah right. but um yeah like that's the uh, the key and a lot of times with politics uh simpler tends to be better when it comes to doing stuff because if you try to do all sorts of like cartwheels and like fancy gymnastics um you'll just end up getting burnt out and i experienced that um when I first got in, like through like the Ron Paul movement and all that, trying to take on a bunch of issues and then just realize let's like laser, uh, just use laser focus on like maybe like one to two, two to three issues. And yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, that, that's, that's one of the things we see in like the libertarian party is that because there's so many issues that it, it, it makes it harder. I think the Ron Paul thing was, it was like, he was so much, so far and away better than any of the other candidates that it was easy for people to put their differences aside momentarily to just pour all their energy right. into that. 
but yeah, when you get into like single issue type stuff, you tend to be able to build a stronger coalition because everybody can put other stuff out and they don't even really talk about it. It doesn't even come up. You know, I nobody cares about what your thoughts are on the drug war or on abortion or federal intervention. I mean, uh, uh, whatever U.S. intervention in foreign wars. If you're fighting to stop the vaccine mandates, you know, yeah. like if all you're trying to do is that then you get all these people from all over and they put mm-hmm. everything else aside because that's their issue and they want to stick together yeah. on that. And you don't have to have this thing where it's like, oh, wait a second. You're not for completely open borders. Like, okay, then you're not really a one of us and get the hell out of here. And everybody wants to like string people up because they don't agree on every single issue. So in a lot of ways it can be, it can be stronger building in that, in that way. Yeah, I, um, I could allude to um, the Ron Paul's like first Republican run. He was able uh, through his emphasis on like the like laser focus on like um, ending the wars and also like the Fed. He was able to cobble together an interesting coalition of people like not just like on the ostensive right or like libertarian, but also a lot of like dissident leftists and mm-hmm. some, like really disaffected progressives. And um, fast forward to the vaccine mandates. Um, some of the um, some of uh, some um, leftist writers that I cite in some of the articles I do um, are actually like we're like very strong uh, opponents of like the vaccine mandates, and these type of single issues can bring about like transpartisan synergy that you don't see um, in conventional politics. That's why I tend to like single issue stuff more than conventional electoral politics and electioneering in general. It's um. Elections, like for me, are just part of like the like the single issue lobbying process, but it's not the, like the alpha or and the omega. It's like only like one aspect of it, and mm-hmm. yeah, and that's one thing that um, in this era of polarization, um, that like the media and a lot of party officials and the pundit class tries to gin up is that uh, to avoid a lot of this stuff and like w- wasting your time in pointless political ventures, it's just easier to find an issue that you're passionate about and try to identify people, not just like in your political party, but also across the political spectrum that agree with you and see what you guys can do like together. It's much more productive. For sure. Yeah. And, and, and I think another component, because I think you're largely right, but I think another component that we do need uh, to be better at is um, I I read recently a a book on Thomas Paine that was, um, that was from a left wing kind of perspective honoring him, but from a left wing perspective. And what we, what I gleaned from that book was that, um, that what Thomas Paine had that, that because if people don't know that Thomas Paine certainly is the reason we have in America, that's a fact, uh, Mm -hmm. both, both Washington and, uh, and, uh, John Adams, no, John Adams credited Paine with the victory, uh, over Britain. And, um, so, what Paine was good at was getting to the common man was propaganda. What we need is better propaganda, better, um, and, and by propaganda, I'm just meaning political thought for a purpose. It, that real simple definition. Um, we you need just do the Bernays term for it, call it PR. Right, <laughs> sure. Right. right. We, we need better propaganda or better PR, um, bec- and we need to stop arguing amongst ourselves publicly. 
you know, mm. yes, there are different GOP members or different Democrats that disagree about this or that, but generally they do most of their arguing behind closed doors. Libertarians and anarchists and anybody on the freedom bent tends to throw all their shit out in the, on Twitter or on Facebook or wherever and yell at each other forever. We need to stop doing that and we need to start um, to, to focus on the shit that people care about. People don't want their kids to die. People don't, which is, which is what happens in, in war. People don't want their money drained away, which is what the Fed does. So I, again, from the beginning of this interview, stop the wars in the Fed. It is a very simple formula yeah. that, that, you know, goes for, and, because if you do those two things, if those two things go away, a, a lot of the other issues are going to follow suit. But would you agree that that we need to get better at messaging? Yes, uh, there is a <clears throat> there's a really strong case that if you want to have like a successful political movement, you have to have like a really good like propaganda, like an and aesthetic to it, because um, it's what's going to appeal to like common man. Like even like you look at like like the Soviet Union, they had like that Soviet realism art and all that, like as horrific as the mm -hmm. Soviet Union was, but it like appealed to like a lot of people, a lot mm -hmm. of collectors they have like really powerful aesthetics and one thing i do think i've noticed over the years with yeah with some like uh libertarian organizations they have been able to get like some kind of like memes out and all that but um obviously you have to like have it uh you can't just use um logic because not everybody's gonna um fully buy into a political cause based on logic a lot of people are very emotional and uh you have to like kind of craft your message to whatever audience you're targeting. It has to be pretty multifaceted. And yeah, you do have to have like PR. I'm not a PR expert, but it, it is something that I do agree with that you do have to have like a propaganda. Um, yeah, it might be like a loaded term, but um, it is like, I, I think propaganda is value neutral. Ultimately, it's a tool. Sure. And, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So before that, because we have you for an hour, before we let you go, um, where's your heart at, man? What, what kind of religion, just to take it a totally different direction. <laughs> Where's your heart? What, what? How do you see God interplaying into this? Because for us, we see this as not only a political fight and a fight for freedom, but a, a, a genuine fight for the soul of humanity. Um, we believe that through freedom, you get to compassion and love and peace. And that's where we're trying to get. And that's the goal that God has given, at least me and, and I believe Chad and Nico. Mm -hmm. Where's your heart with that kind of stuff? Well, I was raised Catholic, and I'll admit I'm not exactly the most like devout Catholic, but sure. um, I think that still having like um, believing like in a higher being gives you uh, gives you like a sense of purpose and also a, a calm of like of like knowing that yeah, we're like on this rock for a limited amount of time, and we need to make the most out of it. And yeah, I um I I like to have um I also just like um reading about religion in general, so. Um, for me, um, it's like the work I do is to basically like, serve like future generations because I want to leave um, uh, this world like like better off for like people to uh, for like my posterity to, like enjoy. Like um, that's one of like the things I believe that is kind of messed up about our present political order that it's like very short term and like high time mm -hmm. present focus and not really mm -hmm. centered on trying to build like a better tomorrow for for like your children and stuff like that. That's, that's kind of like the purpose of like civilization at its core. Question, do you have any kids? 
What? Do you have any kids? Oh, uh, no. I, I no? don't. Not right now. Cool. Would so, you plan to have any in this yes. crazy-ass world? Nice. So do you guys have any more questions for Jose? I wish I had more questions in general. I'm sorry, Jose. Look, uh, when politics get to talking, if it's not like in the layman's, like Negroes, like very simple terms, I'm I'm just this shit flies over my head. We're using big words. Okay. It's not even a big word. Right, I can now. look it up at any moment in time, but it's just, you know, so I'm super sorry, oh. boss man. I appreciate the knowledge that you dropped, and I'm sorry I went black screen, not black face. I've been born black. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, thank you very much for popping up on the show and giving us some yeah. wisdom. No, I really enjoyed it, guys. Yeah, it was a blast. So so I have I have one question before we go. Um, so, so you wrote this book. So I, I want to remind everybody else, cause there's, I think we had the link to this book. I couldn't find your link for, for, for this book. I don't know if, if there, if you still have a link for it or whatever, but if you could send it to me and I'll, I'll put it in the description for, uh, for the folks who watch the replay or whatever. But, um, so this is the, the 10 myths of gun control. That one's in the description, but you also wrote this one Jose: how socialism destroyed Venezuela and why the U S should stay out. And I, I, I wanted to say that because like, I want you to, like from that, from that perspective of seeing, um, you know, your, uh, I don't know, your, your, the, the land of your ancestors and everything like done dirty, like it has been, um, for, for this, you know, interventionless uh, manipulation. And then we're see what we're seeing with this other thing that's going on right now where NATO is involved and, there's a blue and yellow flag and some other stuff. I'm not going to say any like buzzwords that get channels banned, but you know what I'm talking about? Like, what do you see as like some of the parallels of like how like narratives are built around this stuff and like who the bad guys are and who the good guys are and who, who may be actually benefiting from all this stuff. And like how, you know, we just dropped another 40 ball on them uh, last week, um, $40 billion. You know, how, how do you see, on the same day, they didn't just to add right. this tag. They on the same day, thing. they denied forty-eight million to <laughs> help how do you, people yeah. starving. How do you see this and that, you know, um, kind of paralleled? So I am uh, definitely an avid follower of geopolitics, and I tend to look at the way these type of international struggles play out in a objective manner. So, with regards to Venezuela. Um, in this book, in summary, I talk about Venezuela's collapse as a multi-decade process that's been going on since the 1970s, since the government there nationalized its oil sector, and then it um, embraced all sorts of economic interventionist measures that were doubled down upon by Hugo Chavez when he came into power in the late 90s. And mm-hmm. but now this um, in Venezuela, the this um, issue here has gotten geopolitical because. Venezuela is technically part of the so-called Legion of Doom axis of China, Russia, and other Eurasian countries. Korea. Because we are seeing now a bifurcation of the international system where you have kind of like the Anglo-American type of like empire and NATO and like the collective West of like those countries mm-hmm. squaring off against the emerging uh, Eurasian powers that are spearheaded by China, Russia, and what you're seeing over in Eastern Europe right now is just one theater of what I believe is like going to be like the new 
uh, conflict system of like the 21st century, because from the with the collapse of the Soviet Union, you had like unipolarity where it was like only like the U.S. as like the top dog. But then with the rise of Russia, as noted by its um, intervention in Georgia and OA and then in U uh, Ukraine in 2014 and in the present and then China as well. The system's changing. There's a, uh, there's now um, it's kind of re reverting to like a kind of like 19th century style like geopolitics where you have a lot of great powers emerging, but um, against the backdrop of like 21st century technology, culture, and all that. Mm -hmm. yeah. So it's um, it's bad all around for the U.S. because, as Marcus mentioned, this is just another pretext to dump a bunch of money into basically a conflict theater that is like a slav on slav type of like violence and like contrary to popular belief one of those governments is not like a liberal democracy like people in the bobblehead media would like you to believe and they want to just spend a bunch of money while the rest of the country um has to suffer like from inflation all that and it just goes to show that the ruling class in like dc cares more about serving like the the military industrial complex this whole consortium of ngos and people that are just causing trouble abroad and totally ignoring the country when its infrastructure is crumbling you have baby formula shortages inflation out the wazoo and just a social breakdown and yeah pretty bad stuff that lies ahead sure mm -hmm. Well, I think we could probably dig into all that for days. Yeah, I get I get Jose's uh, newsletter and everything. So I, like, I, I, I knew he, like, he goes into a lot of this stuff a lot. And so I wanted to kind of like. Yeah, we could talk kinda, about that in another episode about yeah. like the geopolitics. Because, yeah, that's a whole other can of worms. Mm -hmm. Nice. I just yeah. wanted to scratch the surface and let you just kind of like. Yeah. I don't know. Pick at that wound and let some uh, let some pus drip out for a second. So uh, for sure, um, <laughs> there, there we go. Choose a disgusting analogy to put. Yeah, uh, well, <laughs> it's, a, it's a it's an analogy fitting of the situation. That's for why. Sure. Yes. It's for sure. an <laughs> fitting so, of the situation. With uh, with the geopolitics, I do want to make one quick comment, and then uh, then we'll get to going. One of the things that, though, I do agree that uh, China and Russia certainly are are um, worse, if you will, than the United States is. There's no question that they're farther down the tyranny road than the United States is. And don't let them use that as an excuse to take us there, too. Um, and so what we need to do is, um, like Jose has, has uh, talked about, we need to start coming together mm -hmm. and we need to, um, we need to find out what our local uh, community needs and begin filling those, those roles with people that aren't complete and total shit bags. So I, I, on the local level, I do think that there is some value to uh, getting involved in what your community is. And um, Jose, who, if anyone has any questions, um, is there anything you would like to plug before you go? Yeah. If you want um, to follow my content, um, check out my Substack, Jose Nino unfiltered. That's where I generally talk about, current political affairs and then i drop some wisdom about how to like solve some of these problems but for political strategy you have to go to my newsletter the nino file which you can find on patreon or subscribe so that's where i go into like 
stuff about identifying single issues, um, identifying good candidates and how to like build organizations. That's more like the nitty gritty. Awesome. All of those links are down below. So I have the, uh, the, the one it's yeah, uh, I just subscribe most JOS, the JOS BCF Substack. Yep. Right. Yep. So I've got that one and I've got your subscribe star uh, link as well. And I also have the link to this book right here. And if you have, like I said, if you have a link, uh for the the venezuela book i, I can put that one in yeah I'll, I'll find that actually right now because i had to change up some of my stuff on gumroad actually okay cool yeah, yeah no worries but yeah no this has been this has been really good like i i, I uh y'all like y'all don't know this but like jose ain't even like 30 years old yet like I don't, are you even 25 yet um like, uh, i'm 31 actually <laughs> oh, are you oh see see i i didn't Okay, so when I met you, you weren't thirty yet. That's what it yeah. was. Like you were, you were just okay, but still, like right. y'all heard the the gym this dude was dropping. Like um, he's talking like a a you know a politician, sixty five year old <laughs> who's been, been through the through the wars, um, and and you know knows his shit. But like th this is what we need. We need to to cultivate folks like Jose, um, who who have who do the work. And and give some respect, show some love to their work that they're doing because he's putting in a lot of effort and a lot of uh, a lot of time into to researching this stuff and really like digging in and, and using. I mean, you're you're a sharp dude too. That's that's the thing that that I that I really like about about you and what you bring to the table is that um, you aren't just one of these standard talking heads. You you actually like look into this stuff in a way that I think gives like some hope to to finding a way either through like some of the stuff that we've talked about where it's rendering it obsolete by doing your own stuff, but just kind of having an awareness of what is there so you can avoid it. But then also if you have to, sometimes you got to dig into the belly of the beast and, 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 and rip the guts out so that you can uh, live to fight another day. Um, because it's like, we're dealing with, with this shit here in Louisiana, like my choices, if this thing goes through, my choices are like, I don't know, start my own uh, pure blood sports league for my boys to play in and, and homeschool them from that point on or move to another state, neither of which is like a terribly attractive option. And this just kind of got, you know, thrusted on us in of like we were minding our own business, you know, and, and I, I appreciate what you brought to the table in letting everybody know that sometimes merely minding your own business when the enemy is out there, um, you know, undermining the foundation of your house <laughs> in the middle of the night at some point you got to kind of pay attention otherwise they're going to they're going to wipe yeah. you out so right on well again jose really appreciate you joining us tonight and uh it's been a great conversation i didn't know a whole lot about you before you came on i had seen you i think i followed you uh for some time on twitter but uh, really nice uh, perspective. You you just really nailed a lot of the similar ideas to, to personally where I think. So I think you're right because I'm right about everything, you know. But <laughs> but but I think you're right about a lot of stuff. And um, again, I wish you the best of luck. Anything we can do to help, let us know. Um, and again, for everybody, go down to down to where Chad was talking about and get those links. Support what he's doing. And Chad, you ready? Yeah. Well, hang on. No, I'm not because I'm, I'm I'm actually adding the link down here to the bottom. So yeah, cool. he just sent the he just sent the yeah. link. And while we were in here, I wanted to actually update it. So so give me just a second. Let me save it. 
I'm not trying to change the broadcast time. Damn it. <laughs> Fucking white guys. I'll tell you why. <laughs> what do I do? They're white privilege. I got a bounce, but it's nice to All right. Well, all right. Thank you it's, so much. I'll, I'm going to add it later. I'm going to keep it. I'm going to keep it copied here and I'll, uh, I'll add it later. But I appreciate you, man. Thank you so much. And uh, y'all have a great evening. Everybody have a great week. And you know, as always, what do we do, Marcus? Stay free.